Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down um, on your notes. Write, write these three words down. Write this command down. And um, I pray that it does something to you today. I pray that it blesses you today in a mighty way. And the words that I want you to write down, here's the title of the message. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. Look at the person next to you. Maybe touch them on the shoulder. Put your arm around them and just tell them, peace, be still. Peace, be still. How many of you needed to hear that this morning? Man, I needed someone to tell me to be still. I needed someone to tell me to have peace today. This is our fifth consecutive week in which we're not gathering uh, together uh, physically, but yet we're gathering digitally and live on YouTube. And, And I thought of this, and I want you to process this question. Where are you today? Where are you today from the first week when all of this began? Where are you on week five? And have you noticed, as as you process that, where am I at today? When this first started, what was I thinking? How was I feeling? It's been five weeks since I haven't gone to the building, haven't gone to church. Where am I at today mentally? Where am I at today spiritually? Where am I at today emotionally? Where are you today on week five from the day that you first started or when this all began? I want you to think about that for a moment, and I want that to resonate with you. And have you noticed this as you're thinking about that, that even after five weeks, God is still holding us together? And that's something to say amen about, and that is something to be very joyous about. That when the first week happened, we were like confused, you know? Actually, the first week it happened, we still had church. So I say five weeks, but it's kind of like six weeks. And then when the second week happened, we're like, yeah, this is more serious than what we know. Then the third week, we're like, okay, we're in the grind. And um, I'm wondering, you know, if you've caught that, like, wait a minute. This is so amazing how God threw it all, through all the worries and through all the things that my mind has thought. God is holding me. God is holding my family. God is holding us together. And he is keeping us in his embrace. He is keeping us under his protection, under his mercy, under his love, and under his tenderness. And that's a beautiful thing to notice. You know, five weeks from now, we'll be in week 10, and we'll revisit week five. And when we revisit five weeks from this day, trust me when I tell you this, we will still see that he remains faithful. And we will still see that his love and that his mercy endures forever. Nothing can And nothing will remove God and his character. I want every single one of us to hear this. He is kind over us. And he is kind over you. And we need to come to believe that when chaos increases, when sickness and famine and evil increases, it is God in his kindness and his goodness that will lead many to him. 
Romans 2, 4 says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness? Romans 2, 4. Do you despise the riches of his forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads to repentance? I don't have to stand before a camera and try to tell you guys and, and use phrases and words and and, and, and there's a lot of crazy things being said, but I'm not, we, we're not going to stand before each other and say, the Lord is causing this virus over the land because his wrath is upon humanity and he wants every man. And, and it's just like, wait, it's the goodness of the Lord that will lead man to repentance. And we need to be very understanding and careful of that, man. And, and, and nothing is going to remove God from his goodness. Nothing is going to remove God from his tenderness. Nothing is going to remove God from his kindness over us. And he's drawing so many people during this time to him. Man, he remains good. And his goodness is traveling throughout the land as we speak. So beautiful. One of the, one of the themes one of the themes um, that we've been hearing due to the virus and one of the things that they've been asking, it's been a hashtag sensation. And it's something that, uh, that, that we're being asked to do and it's something that we're, we're using. And it's the phrase, stay home, stay home, stay home and keep people safe, keep yourself safe, but stay home. And many voices who are spiritual and even influential have preached and shared in the importance of home. Um, we spoke on it for the first two weeks here at our nest and our gatherings. We spoke about it when we preached on He's Gathering the Family. And also when we preached about Back in Order. We talked about these things. And, and we, we spoke about the importance of home and family. And I want to revisit a passage. A passage we may all, uh, we may all be very aware of. And the Lord has just uh, placed it, He's pressed it upon my heart. To share again. As we've been talking about home and as we've been talking about family, I, I spoke on the dynamic of that and the result it would have on the earth and the purpose they've always had on the earth. Home and family has always had a, a divine purpose. It's this first institution that God created. We see that in the garden. But if there's a home being built, and there's a home that is already established. Well, I guess the question is, what is it built upon? So if there's a home being built or there's a, a home that is established, what is it being built upon? So how about if we say it this way? Because we're looking at disturbances, right? So how about if we say this? Disturbances aren't necessarily to cause you to focus on your home. Disturbances were to reveal whether your home was ever first focused to begin with. And those are two different statements. Sometimes we look at these disturbances and say, well, God wants me to focus on home. Well, it could also be to bring forth a revelation whether your home was ever focused. And what I mean is that we can't wait until the storm starts to hit our house to then begin to secure it. Before, well, what do we do? We secure it way before the storm even gets here. Us being from Miami, we know this very well. 
As soon as the news media starts to tell us that there's a storm that's developing in the tropics and it looks like it's a week away, we're like, should we do it? And then when it gets a little bit closer, we begin to prepare. Some of us, we wait to the last minute. I'm not going to say who, but some of us wait for the last minute. But we begin to prepare our homes and we begin to put shutters and we begin to buy sandbags and, and we prepare the home before the storm ever hits to secure it. See, when we look at life's storms, to call it that, I want to make sure that every single one of us knows this. Storms will never cease. Storms will never cease from coming. There's a storm that has hit the land, but I will tell you this. When this storm leaves, it is just a moment till another storm will come. Storms will never cease from coming. So my question is, what will be the legacy of our homes? Once the storm clears, will our house be seen as standing? Or once the storm clears, will our house be fallen? In Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49, he shares this story, he shares this passage in which Jesus is teaching this analogy like this. Luke 6, 46 is where we begin. He says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. Verse 49. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built his house on the earth, on sand, without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. This is an interesting passage. It's an interesting passage because when you read it, what did you catch? When you read it, what is the first thing that comes to your attention? When you read it, what are the words that pop out of the pages? See, it's not about the flood rising. It's an interesting passage because you think that, wait a minute, it's about the flood. The floods are coming. Well, it's not about the flood rising. It's not about the water crashing. And it's not about the wind beating. See, as I was reading this, I thought this, and I said many times that's what we focus on. Because our minds automatically runs to the things which are negative. And, and what it does is it begins to feed off negativity. And then what happens is it begins to develop scenarios. How many of you during this time of quarantine, your mind has gone to negativity and it's built up scenarios? Anyone with me? And in developing scenarios, they become false scenarios from that which is really happening. It's, it's a false reality. It's not even real because of the negativity that has consumed you. It is a place where fear triumphs over faith. 
It is a place where restlessness begins to steal your rest. And this passage, I'm about to tell you something because when I ask you this, ready? What is this passage about? What is the automatic thing that people will say? It's about a storm. It's about a storm that's crashing against two different homes. But today I say that this passage, the last thing, the least thing that it's about is a storm. This passage is not about the storm. How do I know that this passage is not about the storm? Because if you study the life of Jesus, storms were never a problem for Jesus. So why, out of nowhere, would this storm, at this moment, while he's teaching his people, now this storm becomes a problem? When in other episodes, Jesus is walking on water in the middle of storms, Jesus is calming storms, and storms are all under subject under Jesus' word. So now he's going to pause in his teaching and say, hey, we're worried there's a big storm crashing to homes. I tell you today that this passage has nothing to do with the storm. It's not about the storm. Storms are not issues for Jesus. How many of you know that the storm that we're in is not an issue for Jesus? This storm has a different name to it. It's not called wind. It's not called floods rising. And it's not called waves. It's a different name. This one's called COVID-19. This one's called quarantine. This one's called stay home. <laughs> Whatever the storm is going on, but within that big storm, there's other little storms that happen in your mind. Other little storms, or they become big storms that happen in your heart. And here is this passage in Luke 6. And the last thing that this is about is a storm. And I believe that the last thing that this is about, that we're going on or about in our land, is about a storm. I think this is more about the hand of God in the midst of the land, in the midst of the moment that we're living in. Storms are never an issue. So this storm in Luke chapter 6 is not an issue. So what is this passage about? This passage, it's about the one who has dug and built on the foundation that will last Versus the one that built on a foundation that does not last. And the difference between these two, between these two, is that one hears Jesus and does what he says, where the other hears but doesn't do what he says. It's what the book of James teaches us. So I want to make sure that we get this. We're living in a time where our justifications will not prevail. Will not prevail because the storms are exposing the true value and the true strength of our house. So we cannot make excuses. We can't make any excuse because even as we make them, they're invaluable even as it's leaving and coming out of our mouths. It's a place where our words don't matter as much as the depth of our lives matter. Because who cares what we say or who cares what we feel that we have to say? But the question is, is the house standing still? If your answer is, yes, my house is still standing, then good. Then you don't have to say anything. You've already proven and given witness because your home stands. And most times, 
Our home standing preaches louder than our mouths preaching. And we need to know that. Storms were never the issue. And in Christ, storms are never the issue. In his goodness, storms. In his goodness, he uses it to show us what we really have and what we don't have. So I want to ask again, question after question after question. As we talk about what he may be showing us, I ask you this, and be very honest with yourself because the Lord knows the truth. What has been revealed to you through this storm? And what has this time shown you? It's been a very interesting time for me. You know, I've been hearing that... uh, Some people say that they have more time now because of the storm. Working from home is better for them. It gives them more opportunity, some people have said. Some people are valuing family more and and many other great things that are being being said. Others are saying, well, this is a very difficult time. It's been very difficult for me. They feel they have less time. They're working more now, even from home. It's been hard for many at times being in the house every day with family and, and And many other things that are being said. I know for me, uh, the days are flying. It's crazy. I can't believe that we've been five weeks away from each other. And the days are flying. It's like almost like, whoa, you wake up and you're like, I can't believe it's 4 p.m. already. And and that's how the days are. It's happening. It's it's, it's just so much going on. And, And what I've noticed is I'm doing less of what I used to do and more of what I've never did. So, for example... The kids are home, and we're homeschooling them. We're doing school at home, though we pay a, a, a nice amount to send them to school and that they could do school, but yet they're back with us, and we got to do school and, and still pay for school, but we got to do school, and, and that's a new thing for us. It's a new thing for me. I teach the kids now, which is harder when it's your kids, homeschool. We've never done that, never did that, and there's so many other examples that I could give about my own life. I know that our... At our home, we feel we're more busy than ever because of all the things that are being juggled, and we're just busy. I'm sure some of you are like, yeah, us too, man. And maybe some of you are like, man, I don't have that problem. And that's fine. We're all in different places. Many of the things that in my home that we are busy with are not things that we actually want to be busy with, but we have no choice. It's a time that we're in that we have to take care of those things. But I will tell you, in the midst of all that and trying to describe what your life may look like right now, I will tell you, in our lives, these storms can have the ability to disrupt your rest. But I will also tell you, storms are never an issue for Jesus. I've seen where it has shown me, me, myself, And it has spoken to me. And it has said to me, hey, are you resting in me? Or are you restless because you're outside of what I'm doing? And I notice, as many of you do as well, that if I'm not in rest, this house will not stand. So is the house that has been built, the house that has been built and laid in rest, dug and built on the foundation, the rock who is Christ Jesus. Is that being spoken of about you and I? Is that 
Is that describing us? In Mark chapter 4, something interesting happens. Jesus and his disciples have to cross over and they have somewhere to go. In Mark 4, verse 35, it says this. It says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let's cross over to the other side. So they were on one part of the lake and they had to get on the boat and cross over to go to another region to hit up another city. Verse 36, though, says that when they left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great, listen to that, a windstorm, another storm comes in Jesus' life, and a great windstorm arose, and it says the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he, being Jesus, verse 38, was in the stern. He was asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him. Can you imagine this scene? For, just pause for a moment. They're on the boat, and there's a mighty windstorm. And as this storm is hitting this area of the sea, they're freaking out. And they're trying to dump the water out. And they're running around the boat. We're going to sink. We're not going to make it. This is going to capsize us. This is not going to be good for us. Where is Jesus? Where is the miracle worker? Where is the one that knows all things? Where is Jesus? Has anyone seen Jesus? And they're looking for each other. I haven't seen him. It's been a while, actually. Has anyone even heard from him? I, I know we put him in the boat. I know he was here with us. We saw him earlier. Where is Jesus? Where is he? And it says that he was in the stern, and he was, a, he was asleep on a pillow. Think about what sleep represents there. So they woke him up and they said to him, teacher, but now watch the concern, watch the negativity, watch what was really going on with them, watch the problem within them, look at what they tell Jesus, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? The boat, they, they think that it's going to sink, that the, the waves and the waters are going to capsize them, and then they're running and looking for Jesus. And where's Jesus? He's in the stern of the boat, and he's laying down, and he's got a pillow on, and he's knocked out. And they wake him up, teacher, do you not even care? Do you not care? We are dying today. Look at verse 39. So he arose. He got up from his sleep. Got his head up from the pillow, and he gets up, and it says he rebukes the wind, and he says to the sea, peace, be still. That's our message today. Peace, be still. And look what happens right after that command. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Let's keep reading, verse 40. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And it says in verse 41 that they feared exceedingly. And they said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Man, I really hope you got things out of this. There's so many different avenues we could go. You know, I started to think as I was reading this, I started to think about Paul. You know that Paul was also in a storm and he also got shipwrecked. They didn't make it to the point where they got shipwrecked, but Paul did. And I could go into the book of Acts 
And I could grab the story of Paul when he was in the storm with all the prisoners and with the guards watching over his life, and he gets shipwrecked. And I could tell you that the last thing that that whole story is about is about a storm or about his ship getting wrecked. That whole story of Paul being shipwrecked in the storm has a whole greater story behind it. Why? Why is that a continual thing that we see in the scripture? Because storms are never and will never be an issue for Jesus. Jesus allowed and used the storm and it brought a greater purpose through his vessel Paul and for the kingdom of God that Jesus would be magnified. I mean, a whole entire village, a whole entire primitive people group ended up coming to know Jesus because of a shipwreck and a storm that capsized Paul. And if it wasn't for that storm, they would have never made it to their destination. Sometimes what we need is we need a storm to push us so that we could what? Not activate fear in the middle of the storm, but activate faith in the middle of the storm because that's what allows us to get into our destination. And Paul had a people group to reach over there for the kingdom of heaven. And what happened was he wasn't going to make it over there until the storm that Jesus really doesn't care about happens to finally what fulfill the purposes of God and the purposes of heaven on the earth I could we could grab so many different stories but when you read the story of Paul sorry this is just a sidetrack but when you read the text you recognize that Paul not at one moment during this episode that he gets shipwrecked or in a storm not one time was Paul worried if you read it he's like hey Everyone relax. He actually is given the governance of the boat where the one who governed the boat had no words to say. And Paul being a hostage, Paul being a prisoner, now becomes the ruler of the boat and says this. This is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to make it. No one is going to escape. No prisoner is going to escape. You don't have to worry for your life. He tells the one who is ruling the boat. And this is how it's going to go down. And he eventually begins to run the whole entire capsized moment, storm, situation, obstacle, encounter, whatever you want to call it, that they're in. How is Paul able to execute such wisdom, execute such preciseness, the ability to be so calm while his boat is broken and the storm is drowning? I'm going to tell you why. Because he learned through so many experiences of his life that in the storm, he was still called to have rest. And if I don't have rest in my storm, I'll never be able to do what God wants me to do through the storm. Because if I allow restlessness to overwhelm me, I'm going to become just like them. I'm going to be freaking out. Should I run for my life? Oh my God, the, they're going to kill us now because they think that we're... Imagine if Paul, in the middle of his shipwreck, in the middle of the storm, begins to be restless. It would have been the end of Paul's life. It would have been the end of all the prisoners. But instead, Paul says, I know exactly what to do. Why? Because deep in him, he was settled with rest. What am I saying? What I'm saying is, storms are never an issue for Jesus. So we go back to Mark 4. There's a storm. We're going to die. Where's Jesus? I found him sleeping. Wake him up. Wake up. We're going to die. He gets up. Peace be still. Everything comes under his word, and then he tells them this. He says what? He says this. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they began to fear. The storm was never an issue for Jesus. How do I know that? Because while it was an issue for everyone else on the boat, Jesus stayed laying down, laying on his pillow, still resting. Everyone panicked. Jesus kept sleeping. 
this world, everyone panics. But the Jesus in this world keeps resting. See, in Mark chapter 4, the storm actually had to come under his authority. The issue in this passage, if I ask you, just like I asked you in Luke, what is the issue in this passage? How many of you would say, oh, there's a storm in the middle of the sea and it's crashing against the boat and the boat is going to sink and they're worried for their lives and, and automatically your mind went straight to all the things that are negative. Why? Because that's what happens with me. I get it. It's the same thing probably with some of you. But how about once we read this more correctly and we look within the lines of it and we say this, the issue was not that they were sinking. The issue was not that they thought they were going to die. But you may read that and be like, well, that's a big deal. That's a big problem. Just imagine you're on a cruise ship and you're on vacation and you're trying to get to your destination and you hit something and the, bo- and they get, and the loudspeaker comes on and you're in the middle of the sea and the next thing you know, oh my goodness, this is going to sink. I'm gonna-. Think about what, how you would react. You would say, well, this is normal for them to react this way, for them to be full of fear, for them to be worried, to be concerned. You would say that in this text. But the issue is not that they were sinking. The issue was not that they thought they were going to die. And I'm going to tell you this. The issue wasn't even that Jesus was sleeping and resting. And that he was resting even while they were trying to work to save themselves. So many people are trying to work to save themselves knowing that in the rest of Jesus, he already saves So what's the issue then? What is the issue? The issue is verse 40. Underline it. Write it down. The issue is not the storm. The issue is not the boat crashing. The issue is none of the above. The issue is the revelation that Jesus gives. The exposure that Jesus gives. And here's the issue. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? That's the issue here. Can you imagine being on the boat? You really? You want to talk to us about why I'm so fearful? We were dying. But Jesus not one time talks about the waves. He doesn't say, whoa, that was a close call, huh? Wow, Peter, you almost went overboard. He doesn't even talk about the storm. Because when he woke up and rebukes the storm and the storm comes under his authority, he looks to the disciples, he looks to the people on the boat. And what is he really focusing on? Not on that which they thought was the issue, but he focuses on that which he knew was the issue. And the issue presented before them was not the boat sinking, was not the waves crashing, was not that they thought they were going to die. The issue was, verse 40, you're full of fear, and why is it that you still have no faith? My God. And that was the issue was that those on the boat with Jesus didn't have rest. That if we are in his presence, we just sang this song in worship. That if we are in his presence, if his presence is with us on this boat, we have nothing to fear. Can you imagine being on that boat, knowing this story now? Because you see, we have a cheat sheet. We, we know the story and we know what happens and what's going to happen. But can you imagine us being on that boat and we know that Jesus is sleeping there under the pillow and everything's happening and we just stand up and like, and we just stand in, the, in, in front of the boat and, like, and just enjoy the wind and enjoy the water and all the other people are like, what are you doing? They're like, we're not sinking. 
Are you crazy? Help us dump the water out. Help us do something. We're going to die. He's like, we're not going to die. What makes you think that? Do you know who's on the boat? Jesus is asleep down there. There's no way that that wind, that that water, and that this boat is going to kill the man that is asleep laying on a pillow on this boat. So if he's on the boat, if his presence is alive in here, then trust me, he's not going to die, and we're not going to die. I'm going to rest and enjoy the storm. Can you imagine that? And that's, that's what's going on here. It was that he was on the boat. His presence was there. We have nothing to fear. Instead, we have a rest to live in. Have we missed it when we read this passage? Have I missed it as I read this passage? That living in the rest of his presence is what grants us the authority to speak to the storms and command be peace, be still. How is it that Jesus could look at a storm and say, peace, be still? Because he's already learned that in the middle of the storm to find rest and know that everything's under control. And he's been able to find rest in the middle of storms. Verse 39 tells us, right after he rebukes and the storm comes under his authority, verse 39 says that there was a great calm. And I want to make sure that that hits your heart today. It hit my heart. There was a great calm. Is your great calm lacking because you're running? You're running. You're trying to find answers. Maybe your mind is running and you become restless. Restlessness has it overcome any of you. You can't relax. You can't think right. The storm is beating. You're on the boat. You're on the boat, rocking back and forth, and you're pacing back and forth. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And you're concerned. You're worried. You're filled with anxiety, and you're saying things like this. How can Jesus be here and still be sleeping and resting? How can he be laying down in the stern of the boat, resting on a pillow when I am so worried and complexed about this whole situation? How many of us can, how many of us can say, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I've been going through? When the solution should have been, wait, if Jesus is not worried and Jesus is not anxious, but rather he is sleeping and resting in the stern of the boat, then I'm going to go where he is and I'm going to lay next to him and rest through this whole matter with him. Hey, you guys are all worried. Good. I found out that Jesus is sleeping. So while you guys are working, I'm going to lay down and go to sleep with Jesus. Can you imagine that? Heaven does everything opposite than the earth does, doesn't it? Heaven does everything opposite than the earth does. And I'm going to go where he is. I'm going to lay right next to him, and I'm going to rest with him in this matter. The rebuke of peace, be still. If you thought that was about the storm hitting the boat, maybe the whole time we thought that we're wrong. We've been wrong, and we're wrong for thinking that. The rebuke of peace be still, Jesus wasn't speaking to the storm at all. As soon as the wind and the waves heard who spoke, they fell under his authority. The rebuke peace be still, it was more about the disciples hearing and the disciples was in the boat obeying and learning. Until you have rest, you'll never make it to where you need to go. 
You'll never make it to that destination. He had to teach them this. Why do you fear? Why is it that you have no faith still? You're in my presence where there is rest. And in rest, there is faith. In rest, there is no fear and there is no restlessness. So what Jesus was doing was he was calming the storm within them, teaching them to have authority to then calm the storms around them. How will we ever get to where he wants to take us? How will you get to where he wants to take you? And in Mark chapter 4, it was on the other side. But how will we ever get there if there's no rest? I heard one preacher say this, rest will take you always to your destination. He actually, I'm going to quote, says that we would come out of a season of rest, more at rest, and more committed to rest. And maybe the storm that surrounds you has caused this restlessness within you. So Jesus wants to calm the storm called restlessness within you so that you can conquer the storms that surround you. We've always said that here and we've learned that, that to win the world outside of us, around us, is to first win the world within us. And how will I be able to calm storms here if I have not learned how to calm storms in the house first? And that's the message here to everyone that was on the boat with Jesus. You want to have authority? You want to have authority over those storms? Yeah! Awesome! Learn how to have authority within these storms. Conquer these storms. Conquer the storm of the house. Figure out whether your house still stands in the storm before you ever go out there and think you have or feel you have something to stay to other storms. Because if your house is not standing in the storm, then you have no authority to speak any kind of words to the storm. Your house better be standing in the storm so then your words could have influence in the storm. Amen. So Jesus wants to calm the storm of restlessness so that you can conquer these storms that surround you. That you would enter the next one and that you would exit it as well as a house standing. So here it is. In Mark 5 on the other side, in their destination, what was there? There was a man that was filled with an unclean spirit. When you come to read the story in Mark 5, you recognize that he actually had a legion of demons living within him. So this man was demonically possessed. What does Mark 5, you should go back and, 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 and you should study Mark chapter 5. But Mark 5 is very interesting because Mark 5 tells us that there was this man who had unclean spirits living in him and he was living in the graveyard. He was shackled and he was chained. No one was able to help him, heal him, or even tame him. And he would even cut himself and Jesus comes into the scene after the storm that they just went through, after calming the storm around him and calming the storm within the followers that were on the boat with him. He comes, he has an encounter with this man, or this man has an encounter with Jesus, and immediately this man is healed and made at 100%. Actually, more than that, he's better than he ever was. I want to I share with you, I want to read with you the outcome of this demon-possessed man after his encounter with Jesus. Let's read in verse 15. We are in Mark chapter 5. It says this. Then, <clears throat> then they came to Jesus, and they saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion, 
And he was sitting and clothed and in his right mind. I, you know, I read that passage and, and what I think is like, here comes all the people that couldn't do anything for this man. Here are all these people that it was like, man, we, we, there's, this guy has no hope. And now they come and they see the man that would foam from his mouth, the man that would cut himself, the man that was naked, the man that was living in the graveyard, the man that was in chains because he was violent, he was demon-possessed. They see him now in Mark chapter five, uh, 5, and it says here in Mark 5 that they saw the one who was demon-possessed, and he was sitting, he wasn't naked anymore. He wasn't running around. He wasn't cutting himself. He was sitting. When you're sitting, what are you? You're just calm. I'm just resting. I'm just sitting. It says, he was sitting. And as he was sitting, he was now clothed. I love that. I love that when the Lord covers us with, with his rest, he doesn't leave us naked. I love that when the Lord covers us with his rest, he's clothing us. And I love this. He was in his right mind. What does that mean? He was not in his right mind before. What does that mean? The man was crazy. The man had, had mental issues. The man was being dominated by demons. But at this moment, he has a right mind. Why? I believe because the deliverance of Christ brought rest over him. When you're filled with restlessness, you're not thinking right. When you're filled with restlessness, you're not giving the right advice. When you're filled with restlessness, you're not having faith. When you're filled with restlessness, your prayers sound different. When you're filled with restlessness, your worship sounds different. When you're filled with restlessness, trust me, you're not the person that God is calling you to be. But when rest comes upon you and rest has hit you, you start to think and pray and worship and live with the right mind. And you begin to sit and you're clothed in the glory of God. And it says here, listen, when should the people have been afraid? Let me ask you all a question. When should the people have been afraid of the demon-possessed man? Well, when he was in chains and he was violent and he was cutting himself and he was living in the graveyard. That's when they should have been afraid, right? But look what the Bible says. When they saw him sitting and clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid. They were afraid. Sometimes you will freak people out. You will freak people out when all they are is crazy and restless. And in the middle of the storm, they see you still, peace, and calm. They'll look at you and they say, I'm afraid. You've lost your mind. How can you, how can you be full of peace and be still? And then you say, wait a minute. You're afraid I've lost my mind? I'm afraid you haven't found yours yet. Peace, be still. Let's keep reading because I could keep on on that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So those who saw him were afraid and those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the pigs, the swine, and they began to plead with Jesus, get out of here. Depart from this region. Depart, depart from this region. Get out of here. No, no. They should have said, hey, come here. Come to my house now. <laughs> come to my neighbor's house. Come to my auntie's and my uncle's house. I got some children and some cousins that you got to see. 
We want you to stay in this city a little bit longer. But instead, they drive him out. Get out of the region. When he gets into the boat, he who was demon-possessed began to beg him that he would go in the boat with him and follow him. You would say, well, this is unfair. Why would Jesus do this? Because there's a purpose. Look at verse 19. However, Jesus did not permit him to go. You would say, wow, why would Jesus, why would Jesus, doesn't Jesus want men to follow him? This man thought, you see, Jesus being God understood that you don't need to go with me in order to be with me. You could go to where I'm sending you and you're going to experience that I'll be with you. And that's what he's teaching this man because he says, you can't come with me, but I want to be with you. You are, and you will be. Go, and you'll find me. I'll be with you. How do we know that the man didn't have to go with Jesus to be with Jesus? Because he was already with him. He just needed to go in his word, and that he was going to hold his presence, and hold his peace, and hold rest. How do I know that? Because look what it says. Jesus does not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends. It's time that they see you. And tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion. What did we say earlier? You know that Jesus could have stood up and said, you man full of demons, I rebuke you for your sin because you allowed those demons to come against you. Justice be served. But that is not what saves the man. It is the compassion. It is the goodness of God that caused men to repentance. Look what it says. Go tell them of all that the Lord has done and how he has shown compassion on you. So he departed and he began to proclaim in the Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And everyone, all of them marveled. The storm was calmed. Peace be still. It had to happen because now Jesus comes to the other side and there was a man that his storm also needed to happen where his storm needed to receive peace and be still and he was now sitting and he is now clothed and you know what he proclaims to Decapolis everything that Jesus had done for him if you study that region of Decapolis it is 10 cities that's why the word Deca is there it is 10 cities that make up this region so this man becomes an instant success story this man becomes an instant evangelical success he begins to proclaim Jesus to the ten cities and he becomes an evangelist he becomes a herald he brings the saving work of Jesus to these ten cities how many of you can see that Jesus was with him even while he was not on the boat with Jesus the peace of Christ was over him he had a destination the Lord looks at him and cast out the demons and his, in his soul told the man, peace, be still. And it happened within. And rest would take this man to do something that he has never done before. And it's to preach Jesus to 10 cities. What is the rest of Jesus? What is it calling? Where, where and what will it call you to? Imagine when the rest comes upon you. Imagine the destination that's before you. When the rest is upon you, imagine the destination that's before you. Peace. Peace be still. Peace be still. Rest over restlessness. Faith over fear. 
peace be still. I end with this. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling salah. Pause. Think about this. Verse 4, there is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just as the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Salah, pause, and just think and ponder on that. Come on, stand with me and let's get ready to pray. Let's, get, let's end with a song. Holy Spirit, that you would move. So as we close off here, I repeat what I said some 10, 15 minutes ago. Is your great calm lacking because you're running, trying to find answers? Your mind is running because you've become restless. This restlessness has come all over you and you can't relax and the storm is beating and you're pacing back and forth on your boat and you're concerned, where is Jesus in the midst of this? How come I feel him so silent? And the solution should be, wait, Jesus isn't worried. Jesus isn't anxious. Jesus is resting. He's in the boat with me. I'm going to go where he is. I'm going to lay next to him. I'm going to rest with him throughout this whole matter. And if it's not going to bring Jesus down, it's not going to bring me down. So I'm going to learn to find a spot like the demon-possessed man did. And I'm going to sit with him, clothed in rest and just go to where he's calling me to go. I'm living in the rest of Jesus. Come on. Peace be still over your life. Right there where you're at, I want to pray over you, and we're going to go into a song. Lord, I thank you for every single person that's hearing this. Lord, I thank you because you're speaking a word in season to us. You're speaking a word to be still, a word that there's peace, a word that there is calmness. A word over, a word of rest over restlessness. A word of faith over fear. And Lord, to everyone that is watching and will watch this, we speak into their lives, we command into their lives peace, be still, peace. Be still. The calm of the Lord is upon you. The rest of Christ is on you. The boat may be shaking. The winds may be blowing. The water may be crashing. But you sit clothed in rest, sitting with Jesus, the one who calms the storm within. Peace 
be still. Come on. Let's worship the Lord with one song. Let's give Him praise. just thank you for a beautiful morning like today a morning in which you spoke to us a morning in which your kindness your goodness a morning in which your rest comes upon us and Lord we just thank you Lord and we love you Lord and we honor you for this time I pray, Lord, that we would have a, a great week, a prosperous week, a week full of joy, a week full of rest, that every single one of us 
would have peace and be still throughout the week. And that we would see God, that we would see you, Jesus, so evident throughout our lives. Lord, we thank you for the faithfulness of your word, for the faithfulness of your voice speaking over us. Thank you for the time of worship. Thank you for the time of your word. That you would teach us and grow us and that our house would stay standing in the midst of it all. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Right there where you're at. Come on. Shout amen. And give God some praise. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Listen, God bless all of you. We'll see you throughout the week in our chats. We'll see you throughout the week in our Zooms. And then we'll see you next Sunday. Remember to share this with everyone you know. May the peace of the Lord be over us. May you be full of the rest of Jesus. And let's have an awesome, victorious week. God bless you. Remember that you are loved. Bless you all.